You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. We will reference some questions from Twitter on today's program, maybe even some emails. Locked On 49ers at Gmail. Appreciate all of you and appreciate you making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day. And there's other tons of good podcasts right here on the network. Locked On NFL Draft featuring my guy Eric Crocker, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, which features me, Brian Peacock. That's why it's called Peacock and Williamson. We're covering the entire league for you every day here. Uh, There's Locked On San Francisco Giants game five Thursday. Uh, Can't wait for that. We got Webb on the mound. Winner go home. Logan Webb. Uh, It's going to be a fun game, man. It's going to be tough for the Peacock household, that's for sure. Uh, with my wife being a Dodgers fan, but that's okay. We're going to get through this, I think. And uh, 49ers fans, we're going to get through what's going on for a 2-3 and three team. Uh, we're going to end this episode talking about some positive things that are going on with the team and the outlook. Um, we've got an interview from John Lynch on KNBR Croc. This is very in- interesting. He talked about a number of subjects concerning the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, as I mentioned, we're going to hit some mailbag questions as well, I want to start Croc with John Lynch on KNBR. You can go find it on their website. Uh, you can find it on your your podcast apps. I'm sure it's podcasted there with John Lynch Wednesday uh, in in the meeting with the midday show there. And he talked about Trey Sermon, talked about Trey Lance, talked about Brandon Ayuk, uh, talked about some defensive backs. Those are the main things I took away from it. One was Trey Sermon, and they asked why. You know, he looked good against Seattle. Uh, why wasn't he used more? And essentially, the vibe I got was Elijah Mitchell's better. He beat him out, period. That's it. He's ahead of him on the depth chart when he's healthy. It's going to be Elijah Mitchell and not Trey Sermon, right? And uh, I don't have a problem with that. You win the job, you win the job, right? And it's, and it's kind of that way with the right. Brandon Ayuk stuff. Like, I, I think there should be somewhat of a meritocracy in the NFL no matter where you were drafted. If the sixth rounder beats out the third rounder, then the sixth rounder should play. I, I think the tough thing is for, you know, people that follow the 49ers and, you know, even the fans as well, it's it's not even so much about, you know, a guy beating out who it's who he's beating out, right? You know, how is a six-rounder beating out your third-rounder? You know, like, why did you miss on that pick? And I think that's where some of the outrage and the pushback on, you know, John Lynch and those guys. Yes, they're they're doing great. At drafting guys later rounds, but it's like, well, why are you kind of missing out on guys in the earlier rounds? I think that's probably the the bigger issue with that. I don't think people mind the meritocracy. It's why are you missing on the early round? Picks? Yeah, it's like, okay, well, then why didn't you draft a better player in rounds two and three that could be playing right now with your sixth round running back and your first round quarterback? And then you'd have uh, another player playing at another position. And, and there are right. some holes on the roster, obviously. Um, so, yeah, that, that was interesting to me. Uh, Trey Lance was another interesting one because um, they asked basically the question that we've been asking, what are you doing? Like, it's unsustainable. Why are you running your quarterback so much? You can't get hit this much. And part of John Lynch's answer was, look, it's not necessarily that we want to run Trey Lance that much, but the way teams are playing us, it's a good play. You know? And and yeah. <laughs> he ran the ball well, and he had some of those QB powers where he was gaining yardage, you know? So um, if you're going to really sell out 
especially with having guys wide and on your edges to defeat the wide zone on offense and and defeat that run game, then there might be some holes up the middle for your quarterback, and you get numbers there inside. And so I understand it, and it makes sense. It's still not ideal to be uh, getting your quarterback hit that much. There was one play, and I watched the breakdown. Oh, and there were some takeaways from the JT O'Sullivan breakdown. Mm. And I actually DM'd him to ask about something as well, and we'll touch on that. But there was one play. I know a lot of people have been saying, like, you know, there's not that creativity in the offense. But he showed some things, and you kind of see it from a different perspective. You do see the creativity. The one play where Elijah Mitchell had the nice run to, like, the five-yard line. It was probably like a 20-yard gain. There was a there was an opportunity for Trey Lance to keep. And he's reading the guy on the end. If he crashes down, uh, you know, he he gives. But if he doesn't, he he keeps it or whatever it was. If he would have kept it, he might have scored. I think the only person that would have been between Trey Lance and the end zone was the safety. The free safety now, in the middle, yeah. It, yeah, it, it didn't matter because Elijah Mitchell still beat guys around the corner, kind of made a guy miss, and he still got to the five-yard line. But it just showed, like, just the stress of a Kyle Shanahan design and what it put on the defense. That was something very interesting. Yeah, and it was almost like they couldn't have been wrong on that play. And and he nah, might have been know. wrong because maybe that was one where you should keep it based on what you saw with the play. But handing it off also worked well too. And I wonder if that's how it's taught is like, look, if it's okay, hand it off. You only don't hand it off if it's clearly not going to work and that pass rusher on the edge. And it's always usually with those zone reads. And we've seen this all the way back to the Kaepernick days, which is why, um, you know, you gouge the Packers so many times because the Packers are just crashing from the inside every time and you're wide open run around the edge with your quarterback. Um, you're reading that edge player. And if he goes one way in, in this in this instance, it's the quarterback has the middle and the uh, the run plays to the outside for your running back. And if the guy stays outside, you keep it. And if he crashes inside, you hand it off. And he was sort of like in between. And I think if it's in between, you hand it off. And I think that's what we saw there. Right. And they, they it would have worked either way. So that's good. But you're right. The stress that we're trying, that puts on the defense. We're trying to limit the hits on them as well, right? We talk about him having 16 carries in the game. So that would have been 17. And, and the pounding that he took <laughs> yeah. and, you know, resulting in the knee sprain and, you know, it's tough when you have a quarterback that does have this type of dynamic ability and, you know, you kind of like, what's too much? And I think, it, you know, you have to add in the the aspect of him scrambling. And there were several, seven times where he dropped back for a pass and he ended up scrambling. I mean, again, and that counts as a rush. So it's tough when you see that because you look at the number 16 carries, you know, you kind of, you know, and then obviously two sacks and then maybe a couple other times he was hit. That, 20 times that's that's too much but it's easy to see how it can kind of add up to that absolutely and it's easy to see some rookie mistakes he made where he could have made some quick reads and gotten rid of the ball gotten the ball out of his hands instead he sort of hesitated and stepped up and then decided to run so but overall with Trey Lance I mean I don't know how you could watch that game and the more I watch it the more I think I take positive from it right and like for your first start, 21 years old, I thought it turned out pretty well. They moved the ball a lot, and he stresses the defense, and he wasn't even firing on all cylinders. Like, you could see, oh, my gosh, when he starts to get that ball out on his back foot and hitting some of those easy layup throws that were yeah. that were open for him. And um, then when, they, when they're able to block it up, and then you've got some – some second level and third level throws, you're getting the ball down the field, you're getting the ball outside, which he absolutely has the arm to do and tightens up his his 
his accuracy on some of those throws and, and maybe tightens up his his motion, his lower half and his, his upper half. We've we've seen theories about and I had the theory about his throwing motion, maybe getting under the ball a little bit. And then JTO Sullivan was talking about how he's kind of bouncing up and down a little bit. He's moving his head a lot and maybe in the bottom right. half. And I know Kyle Shanahan worked with him a lot. And all of his quarterbacks, he talks about that and getting your base and getting your base set and, and, and staying low and staying in that throwing motion. So, uh, you, And you don't change your motion overnight. Like his motion right now, however he throws the ball, however his footwork is, it's going to stay that way through the season because now live bullets are flying. You work on that in the offseason to get that better. And incrementally, right. year after year after year, you slowly start to work on those things. But you don't draft a guy to completely change his motion and think that in year one he's going to throw the ball differently than he's done it his whole life. Right, and the one thing I, I, I DM JT, and I asked, I said, JT, I watched the breakdown. One thing that you didn't mention was his throwing motion. Do you think it's too long? He said, no issues with his throwing motion. So I'm like, man, everybody's making such a big deal out of it being too long, and he said, no issues. The, I think the biggest issue that JT sees is his feet, and he has to get the feet right, have that good base, like you said, kind of bouncing up and down. That's leading to uh, some uh, you know inaccuracy or inconsistency with the accuracy, but it's clear to see in what you were saying, talking, you know, coming away with a positive, the direction that he's headed in. And there's going to be a lot of work, right, to fix those things. But once he does, I think you see where he can be very special with the with fixing his feet. And my, my guy, Greg Pinelli, says that as well. Everything with quarterbacks, it starts from the ground up. Everybody thinks it's with the motion. It's not the motion. Ground up, really generating that force and that power, be able to fire the ball. And JT said it on one of the throws. He said, man, when you can fire passes in there, who cares about the mechanics? Like when you can make those type of throws, who cares about the mechanics? Yeah, like the IU, you know? actually both IU throws in that game were dime throws where yeah. he threw the ball away from the defender in a tiny area. I mean, it just the arm talent's there. So there, yeah. there's so many positive takeaways, much more positive to take away from uh, Trey Lance's first start than negative for sure. Depending on it, how you view it. If you, if you went into it, expecting him to look like Tom Brady yeah. or what Jimmy Garoppolo looks like throwing a ball right now. Like if you, if you expect a 21 year old in his first start in two years to look like that, then yeah, you're going to come away, you know, a little disappointed. If you came away, I mean, if you went into the game wanting to see a playmaker, right. Which is what I want to see. Like, is this guy a playmaker? Like do, do I see the skill set jump off from the, the big arm, the athleticism, you know, fitting the ball into small windows. I saw that. Great. Now, can we, you know, can he see the game quicker now? Like you said, like there was a slant where he was a tick late on the slant. There was an out route where, you know, okay, the ball's got to get out right now. You got the zero blitz coming on. You got to get rid of the ball on the out route. Uh, and you can't, you know, you got to be more urgent with it. You have to have, have to have more of a sense of urgency. Those are the things that he's going to fix. But I think he needed this game to have those moments so he can see it and improve on those things. That's why I mean it's 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 really tough to kind of balance. Do you sit them or do you play them? I don't even think it's tough. I think you play them. And that was the the, <laughs> one, the the last note I have here on Trey Lance. Actually, I have one more note on Trey Lance, and it's the overall idea of Lance and and why he was selected. And we'll talk a little bit about John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and what they've done and how they've built this roster in the third segment here and some positive takeaways from that. And I think one big aspect of it is what one thing I saw from Trey Lance. But the last note from John Lynch about Trey Lance, it was the lack of reps that a backup quarterback gets. And essentially, John Lynch was like, he didn't have a time, a chance to work on a lot of this stuff throughout the beginning of the season. Because there's just not enough reps, there's not enough time, not enough snaps for a backup quarterback during the week. 
And we kind of already know that, obviously, but he made it seem like there's, there's nothing. There's nothing for him to do. Like, there's no reps for him to get better. He needs those reps. He needs the, I mean, if anything, start Jimmy G, but give Trey the number one reps in practice, right? Like, you, you can't develop him by letting <laughs> him sit there and doing nothing. He's got to get reps. So, essentially, you have to start him because he has to get reps. He needs practice reps. He needs game reps. You have to play him period he needs the reps yeah you can't do that you can't say all right jimmy you're our starter but this guy's getting all the first yeah, he's team in the practice but Just flip it i, I mean I, I agree and again and i keep repeating this i came away very impressed with the direction i feel like he's heading in do i think it was a perfect performance <laughs> no by no means but i see a lot of encouraging things i think one of the things from preseason that was i don't want to say discouraging but yeah discouraging i thought there were a lot of punts i thought there were a lot of three and outs it wasn't that this game he drove into the opposing team's territory eight out of 10 possessions, which is crazy. And that's including how many times did they get backed up with holding calls and him just boom, 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 still be able to march down the field. Regardless, I, I think we have something special here, but it, it, it has to all come together. How is it going to all come together if he's not getting the reps in practice? I mean, Croc, all you have to do is look at that first drive, right? And see him. Escape from the pocket, boom, boom, 14 yards or whatever it was, 16 yards, first down run. You can't teach that. You can teach the mechanics over time. He'll get better with his reads. He's already a really smart guy, mentally tough. You could coach out the interception, but you can't coach Jimmy Garoppolo to go scramble for that first down. It's just an Well, most people would tell you that they don't want their quarterbacks scrambling. They want them to play from within the pocket. I would say I, I think having that added element of the athleticism is nice, and I don't think that's a negative. Oh, I love the scrambling. Scramble all day long. I would I would right now say 100% I would rather have his only his carrier, his only carries for his entire career be only scrambles versus his only carries be, be scripted carries. Right. For sure. Uh, the, way more dangerous when you're scrambling. Way more dangerous. You're making plays with your the yards per carry was drastically different as well. I think on the designed runs for him, he averaged closer to four yards a carry, but the scrambles, it was like, it was a, it was a much bigger number. And even though it wasn't successful, that's why I liked the fourth down call where he got stopped at the goal line because he had the option to throw or run. And I love that. Like that puts so much stress on a defense. You can run the ball a little you see bit. JT? Oh, wait, actually we talked about it last night. About how Kyle Juszczyk got yeah. hooked up. Mm -hmm. Oh, real quick before we go to break. Did you did you hear JT talk about the under center play with Yuschek? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about that too. How he said that he he seemed like they could maybe pitch it. And then Kyle talked about how uh there was another element to that play and they should have done the other thing. They were definitely gonna pitch that yeah. to, to Trey. It was, it was definitely pitching it, but it was cool to hear him kind of talk through it because he was saying, like, man, I actually would like to see this kind of design where you get Trey Lance and you kind of pitch it to him and and then he's kind of looking at it and he's like, wait a minute. You see, you, you see uh, Sherfield crack down. You see uh, Trent Williams pull, and you see uh, uh, Trey Lance start to move left. And mm -hmm. you're like, he was supposed to pitch it. He was, and that everybody was upset. They were up in arms about that. Yuschek <laughs> was supposed to pitch yep. it, and it would have been it would have went for a big game because once he went to the line, everybody pinched in. Now it's on film. Now people know 
that they have the option to pitch it. Even though he tried not to say it, mm-hmm. you could see it. You could see how it was supposed to be playing out. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. JT nailed that Blew one it. for sure. Uh, that was definitely what was going to happen there. Okay, we, we got to talk here about uh, Brandon Ayuk and the defensive backs. Some uh, Some interesting stuff from John Lynch next. You can save time, and let's be honest, more importantly, you can save money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more on the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? There are so many makes and models of cars, and it's really impossible now for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why sit there and endure pointless, seemingly intimidating questions sometimes as your Odyssey, an LX, or an EX, and wait for some person that's standing behind the counter looking at a screen that you can't see, and maybe they only have one possible brand that their warehouse happens to carry, You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Take control of some of these things. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. And you'd be surprised how easy it is to do some maintenance for your own car. Make sure you got jumper cables in there. Change those wiper blades before the winter hits so you can actually see out of your front windshield. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com brandon Ayuk, somewhat similarly to trey sermon kind of vague answers as to what's keeping those guys further down the depth chart than we all expected coming into the season part of it is like i talked about a meritocracy which is you know it's a good thing look if brandon Ayuk's not beating out travis benjamin or sherfield or sanu or, or whoever then he doesn't deserve the play right um, but it's, why is he not like, what is it is the thing that I, it's hard for me to figure out. And, and John Lynch said a lot, but he didn't say that much. And uh, I want to read his quotes here from his interview because I don't want to get it wrong on Brandon. Ayuk. Uh, he said, he's a very t- talented young man and hard worker as well. We've gone to great lengths to try to explain what the predicament is right now. But the bottom line is we each have to find a way I'm talking we as a team and Brandon as a player because for us to get where we want and where we need, his talents and abilities need to be on the field. So basically, basically he's saying that he's they've gone out of their way to try to explain as a team to Brandon as a player what it is he needs to do and somehow he's not doing it. So it, it's like, and they say he's working hard. So it's not a work ethic thing. Is it a playbook thing? I don't know. Is it a play? It has to be he's not grasping the playbook. Like he's not running the routes like Kyle wants him. Because I know Kyle likes to be very specific about how players run their routes. And remember there was an interview he's talking about, I think it was maybe Pierre Garçon. And he was talking about how, um, oh, who was the player? I think it was Pierre Garçon. And he had to like pull Pierre Garçon aside before a drive and be like, hey, I want to call this play, but I need to know that you're going to run this route right. And essentially... Because Pierre, I think sometimes wide receivers want to run routes in a way that gets them open to get the ball. But as a coach, Kyle Shanahan, sometimes it's a route to get somebody else open. And he needs you to run this thing very specifically to hold this one defensive back in this certain coverage that he's calling it against to get this other guy open over here, right? And so I think it's some of those nuances that 
might be, and I'm just guessing here because they won't tell us exactly what it is, but if he's working hard and he's very talented, what else could it be? It's got to be a playbook thing, right? It's got to be maybe the way he's running his routes. That, that's the only thing I can take away from it, why Brandon Ayuk is not producing and not being utilized like we expected. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because we know the talent that he possesses and we saw in the game when given the opportunity, the plays he was able to make. But there is one thing that was a little concerning that I noticed, at least in this game, really kind of the lack of separation and how tight the coverage was on him when he did catch the pass, right? Both times he was smothered and it took, you know, great throws by Trey Lance to really convert that pass. There was another one where he threw it to Ayuk on a comeback on the left side and the ball got tipped at the line of scrimmage. And I think they threw a flag, but because it got tipped, they took the flag off. They waved the flag off or whatever, but the coverage was extremely tight there. So there is something there where it's like, you're supposed to be a little bit more of a separator. And right now you're not doing that. So I say that sometimes when guys are doing things the way that the coaches want or the way other people want them to do it, they're not able to play as fast. And that could be an issue with him really kind of creating that separation. Remember Chad Johnson was a guy who was going to freelance and do things how he wanted to do. And within doing that, he created a ton of separation with his routes. But when he got to New England and they wanted him to do things a specific way, he wasn't Chad Johnson anymore. He was some other person because now he's he's turning into more of a robot. I wonder if that's what's happening with IU, where they're, they're trying to get him to do things the way they want him to do it, and he's not able to do that well. More quotes from John Lynch here, and he he continues to pound the the idea. It's not a work. It's not like he's not working hard. He says, uh, having said that, I think you earn your opportunities and you do that during the week. It's not as if Brandon's not working hard. It's that whatever reason, Brandon has not made the strides we expect him to. We probably hold him to a higher standard because he's got so much in his body and it's important for a team to see people earn those opportunities. So it's not that he's not working hard, but there's something he's doing throughout the week where he's not earning the opportunities. He also goes on to say, I think there's been really good communication of late to try to get that out of him. It's not as if he's a guy who doesn't work hard. So that's the third time he said that. I think it's just everybody getting on the same page. I think he's got to earn those opportunities, but I feel like it's really important for him to become a part of what we're doing moving forward. So he's not earning it in practice, but it's not because he's not working hard either. So what the hell is it? He's not... He's not getting something. He he's just not getting. It. It's not clicking. Mm-hmm. I, I I've seen. I, I went through something like this when I was signed with the San Jose SaberCats, won the championship. Let's go. Um, Title. Town. When I got there, they they switched up all my technique. I just came off of a season where I had eleven interceptions, and I get to San Jose, and they're like, "Well, yeah, you got a lot of interceptions, but look how you did it. Like, look at this. Look at this." Like, this is bad. This isn't great. Yada, yada, yada. They broke down everything. It was like, we want you to do it this way. And it was a struggle for me at first where I'm like, golly, I can't get it. And I was not looking like me. Eventually, though, it clicked. And I was so much better for it from from a technical standpoint. And I wonder if he's going through some of that where he's trying so hard to do it their way. They want him to do it a certain way. We don't want you doing this. You could get away with the last year because you were the only guy. But that's not the right way, and we want you to have long-term success and be consistent. 
So we need you to do things this way. And he's struggling with that. But he's working hard at it, but he just can't get it right. I wonder if that's the issue. Someday they might be honest with us and tell us exactly what it is. Uh, or maybe we'll, we'll, some intrepid reporter will get that out of them someday. We'll find out. Hopefully what's going on. I know with, somebody there. Or I know maybe, somebody there. Ooh, all right, Croc, work your back I know, channels. Uh, a receiver Schefter. guy. I know a receiver guy there. Crocky Chef. Don't say too much. We don't want people to know. Crocky Schefter at work behind the scenes. When we come back, we will talk about some positive aspects of the team that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are building. There's so much negative going on around the team. There's some some positives to take away from this situation right now with the 2021 San Francisco 49ers and defensive backs. Why are they not taking the ball away? We've learned a lot through five weeks of the NFL season, which could impact your betting strategies, of which you can put into place at betonline.ag. Over-unders. MVPs, Rookie of the Year. There are a number of different things you can bet on when it comes to the NFL, college football. There are odds, props, contests, uh, an updated site interface. And BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. You can find news at BetOnline.ag. If you don't want to bet on the NFL, there is basketball, boxing, baseball, Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available this season and use promo code locked on to get a welcome bonus bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports promo code locked on bet online your online sportsbook experts all right croc last note from john lynch on KMBR. it sounded like to me and i don't have the exact quotes in front of me but it sounded like to me he was blaming the defensive backs for not taking the ball away and not punishing quarterbacks for trying them deep. And in some cases, it's not enough just to bat the ball away and, and to play good defense. He said, when you're as good as they are up front and you're doing what you need to do up front, that usually puts pressure on quarterbacks and teams and you're getting more takeaways. And we're not punishing the quarterbacks for throwing the ball down the field that's just the vibe I got is that basically when a team is taking the ball away, you see that on film and you're less likely to test the defense with those deep balls because they're taking the ball and you get more trouble. And if there's no threat of something bad happening, then why not take shots? Well, I think a perfect example is DeAndre Hopkins pass where they moved Kyler Murray off of his spot, had him moving left, rolling left and just fling a ball to the right side downfield and DeAndre Hopkins is able to adjust and catch the pass. When a ball is up in the air like that, somebody has to get somebody. Now, I get it and why it was difficult on Ward. If I'm running with DeAndre Hopkins this way and I'm trying to beat him to a spot, and then all of a sudden he stops because he sees the ball thrown and he's able to adjust and I can't, okay, maybe I, maybe I can't make a play. But somebody else has to. When the ball is just floating in the air like that, there's no way nobody makes a play on it. I think that's what he's talking about. You got to make him pay in that scenario because you don't have opportunities like that where somebody just punts the ball in the air. And that was extreme. It, live when it happens, like, oh, come on, Ward, you got to make a play on that. But there's somebody else there too underneath on that play. But I don't remember who it was and if they would have had an opportunity to make a play there on that. But yeah, you're right. Uh, just being able to throw it up to your best guy. Like the, the 49ers don't really have that on offense and they can't stop other teams from doing that on defense. And you got to make them pay. But the, the, it's, it's been too long now. There's something going on. There's something to it, I think, that the Niners' defensive backs 
either the way they're coached, their mindset, just the players who they are, they're not the type of dudes to take the ball away. I thought this was the year, especially for Jimmy Ward. He talked about how he was going to be able to be more aggressive and maybe do some more spy things and be utilized in a different way because kind of bad talk saw a little bit how they were kind of taught to just keep everything in front of them mm-hmm. and you know basically let the front work and make teams have to march down the field, kind of a more bend but don't break type of approach, and it worked, but it didn't lead to the safeties getting interceptions. I thought this was a year where – he would have more of an opportunity to make plays, but it's still been more of what we've seen throughout his career, not taking the ball away. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the only person to take the ball away in the secondary is Dante Johnson, and everybody hates him. <laughs> Dante Johnson. Uh, Johnson and Marcel Harris, those are the only guys that really take the ball away for the 49ers. And, and Johnson Harris, had a pick six a few years ago. And Harris is a linebacker now. And Harris is a linebacker. I want to go to Dominic on Twitter. He said, not saying Shanahan is Walsh, but comparing their records, their first five years are somewhat similar. Even with Walsh, it took time to sustain consistent success. It's crazy to me how some of the fan base is calling for Kyle's job. Replace him with who? And we talked about this a little bit with Wink yesterday. I asked him if he's jumping off the bandwagon. He said no. And look, you shouldn't be jumping off the Kyle Shanahan bandwagon. Um, I think he can get better as a head coach. And I think there are some things that the 49ers absolutely can improve on. But if you look at, and a lot of people have been have been comparing him to Bill Walsh. A lot of people have been comparing him to Bill Belichick. Those coaches, even with some wins early in their career, they didn't just jump in and start winning year after year after year right out of the gate. It took a while. You build your, you build your system. You build your team. You get a quarterback, which is pretty key for both Walsh and, Walsh and Belichick, and maybe the 49ers have that now with Trey Lance. Uh, and then, then you start to win. Then you have that brand of winning success for a long time. And so, yeah, looking at winning percentages here from 79 through 83 for Bill Walsh, uh, there were some rough years, some very lean years. They won two games, six games, three games, and then went to that Super Bowl year three, just like Kyle Shanahan did, uh, except they won it. Then they won 10 games in 83. Um, and so Kyle Shanahan's not that far off as far as winning percentage when you look at those those first five years. So And Bill Belichick, it was the same thing looking at his first you know few years. And obviously the 49ers had a complete rebuild. And you, you can say, I understand why people would be disappointed right now year five and i'm somewhat disappointed and i've been critical about how they've drafted and how they've team built and stuff in some cases but when it comes to how they've built their roster i think the number one thing you can take away from it it's the reason why trey lance is going to be successful if he is successful is because he's built right upstairs from the neck up i think we've already seen that from a 21 year old he's not folding He's got some mental toughness. He's he's pretty smart guy, clearly, to be able to do what he's doing because there's been nobody with his type of resume to be asked to start within five games. That's that's come from <laughs> some people get mad at me for saying one double A, uh, FBS, FCS, FCS. It's such a stupid name. I can't stand it. FCS. What the hell is that? <laughs> it's the same. One double A is the same thing. It's the same thing. Um, it, is. it just they changed the name. Coming from that level, not even playing last year, he's had one season. That's crazy. It's never happened. Like, there is no, but he is a unicorn. There's nobody to compare him to. So, for him to even hold his head above water and do what he did in his first start, I think it's pretty impressive. He's a smart guy. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Uh, and he's got all the talent in the world. He's got to be good, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. You look at the roster and you look at all the hits they've had in the draft and even some of the misses, they've 
aside from a couple, you know, the Reuben Foster stuff, and I think they learned from that, they've drafted really good people, really smart guys, tough guys, good lock. I think they've built a really good locker room because of the type of people they brought in. I think that's important, and I think it's important that they continue to do that. So uh, I think that's one of the huge positives from John Lynch's tenure as GM is the type of people they brought into the organization. And I think Trey Lance is and absolutely even, one of those. And even guys that they've inherited, like DeForest Buckner, and I bet it was really hard to move on from him because I think he exemplified everything that they want in their football players. You know, an extremely talented guy, extremely, you know, s- smart. Uh, he was the ultimate leader and a dominant football player. And that's what they're looking for in a lot of these other guys. But, you know, some of them, it doesn't pan out. So what's what's the balance? Uh, do you sometimes sacrifice? And it seems like they tried to do that with Ruben Foster. Sacrifice maybe everything that they want, right? Maybe I don't get everything that I want in a guy, but I know that this guy is an extremely talented guy. Do I take a risk? Are they not taking enough risk on just the pure talent that maybe a guy possesses? Or maybe that's what... Javon Kinlaw was, right? Because Javon Kinlaw, you know, I, I had a buddy that coached and he wasn't just this, uh, you know, just super clean prospect from a mental standpoint. You know, he had some things going on in his personal life and everything. And he was sometimes a hard person to, uh, I don't want to say a hard person to get to, but like definitely like the emotions, you know, were kind of up and down. And, you know, but then, is that maybe why it hasn't worked out quite like we expected so far? Early is early. We're a year and some change in, but it doesn't it doesn't feel right, especially when me if we're doing shadow draft at the 49ers drafting CD Lamb, and you see what he's doing. And I'm pretty sure the Cowboys feel better about CD Lamb right now than the 49ers do about Javon Kinlaw. Yeah, uh, the Cowboys would say no if you tried to trade him. Kinlaw and Ayuk for C.D. Lamb, I think. Um, yeah. And I'm with you. I had C.D. Lamb over all those guys. Um, I, I had I liked Judy. Uh, I mean, they were tied, but I had Judy just a hair above Lamb. But, th- yeah, that's – Eric Armstead, another one. He was 2020 uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Um, they've got a lot of high-character guys. Did they get away from that in the draft in 2020 and go for talent instead? Like you mentioned, so maybe that's maybe that's why we're seeing what's oh, going on with with IU and, uh, and no twenty twenty the year before with their, oh, their first bad. round pick like Ken, like you mentioned with Kinlaw yeah there's something with Kinlaw like it's uh, and he had a tough upbringing so it's hard and maybe that's why emotionally like some things might have been like you were saying off the field um, there were some questions about him coming in and just in interviews it's just like you know like it seems like something's like you know. M- m- I don't know. There's something to miss there. And I, I could see how there's, there could be some up and down, or maybe it'll take some time. And, and then one day it'll just all click, you know? And that's what happens sometimes with guys is it takes some time. And that's why you see players who all of a sudden are great on their second team, but it didn't quite work with them on their first team. Um, and I hope that's not what happens with Kinlaw and Ayuk. But I mean, at some point, I worry that Ayuk's going to say, hey, trade me then. You know? Like, would you say that if you were Ayuk? Be like, well, look, dude, just trade me. You loved me last year. Now you don't love me anymore. Come on. I, I'm I'm good. Trade me. My wife is going through nursing school, and she's had some really rough moments. And I tell her that you'll, you'll feel better about going through this when it's all said and done than you would if you quit. 
And I think if if you you know if you are Brandon Ayuk, you can you can feel some type of way right now. But when you make it through this and what's on the other side and how good did it feel to go through that and look back and probably look at yourself and say, damn, I was wrong. It's gonna feel good to, you know, conquer that. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure trading me is probably something that goes through his mind on a daily basis, but you'll be better for it when you push through it. Jimmy G, another example. Like, uh, I think I probably would have been like, oh, you're going to trade up to number three and, and draft a quarterback? Well, well, trade me then. What the hell? You know, and he didn't do that. Well, he, he said he, he did he, think that. He right? thought like, it immediately, but then, thought. but he's a pro and he kind of came through that. And he wants to fight and win the job and, and then go earn some money on another team, maybe next offseason or something like that. Um, and, and I think it's the reason the 49ers have hit on so many players in the later rounds, and they've just found gold in the fifth round so often because then there's going to be less athleticism to choose from. So they've been really good at finding the right people, the guys that are just going to play hard and, and win jobs. And I think that's turned out to be uh, the best aspect of them as a scouting department is the front office. Yeah. They're, again, and, and, the, and I think that has led to some of the success that they've had in later rounds and guys Absolutely. that can play. Speaking of guys that can play, Diamond Lenore, somebody tweeted me and I, I forgot to respond, but zero snaps on defense since week three. What happened there? They were mad about he he played the wrong technique at the end of the game against Aaron Rodgers in the Packers, right? And then he God. hasn't seen the field since. I mean, but come on. Like, okay, I played the wrong technique and maybe squeezed that that, you know, the, the ball in the end zone. Squeezed a little bit too much on the shallow and didn't sink underneath the corner route. But he is a rookie, and these are, again, like just like Trey Lance. I, I, I don't expect D'Amador Lenore to be perfect. I don't expect Trey Lance to be perfect. I expect them to have their ups and downs. I assume, just like I talked about Ayuk pushing through something and how he'll be better for it. Trey, Trey Lance, the, you know, taking unnecessary hits, uh, you know, missing the read on a slant, overthrowing a guy when really you didn't even have to move out the pocket, and you moved and you overthrew it anyways. Like, Going through that, though, you'll be better for it. I, I, I'd assume that Diamondo Lenore, having that happen, it's like, dang, I squeezed this a little too much. I know now for next time, oh, man, I'm supposed to be in the two-man trail, and I'm upfield when even though I have Hufunga uh, right behind me as my over-the-top safety, and I'm supposed to be underneath and trailing and and uh, cutting undercutting any in-breaking or out-breaking route. I'm on top. I'm in bad position, and I gave up the catch that ultimately lost the game, but I know now that I can't do that, and I feel like there will be several moments for that for him like that in the season that maybe they don't want to deal with that just like Kyle doesn't want to deal with it with Trey Lance. Fascinating stuff. It's such uh, an odd year for the 49ers expecting to win coming in, but also in transition at the same time. And it's been rough. It's, that's tough. Yeah, it, it's a tough thing. That's the issue. Yeah, it's that's exactly that, the issue. And we saw it coming. We called yeah. it the whole time. Like, and now we're sort of seeing it. We're seeing that come about. It's like, God, yeah, this was this was a really narrow needle for you to thread, Kyle Shanahan. And we're seeing how difficult that is right now. But I think they're going to come out okay with it uh, on the other side, especially if they develop their young quarterback. But they got to play him to develop him. He's got to get those reps. It, there's no identity right now. And I think everybody's caught in the middle of this. Like, what are we? Are we, you know, pushing for playoff Super Bowl? Are we all in with the rookie and kind of live with whatever happens? But do we go with Jimmy Garoppolo, who in theory, he's the guy and he's supposed to be sharp, but it doesn't look quite good. And, and then the run game is clunky. And th there's just so much uncertainty surrounding the team and just no identity. And that's the issue. The 49ers, even when they were losing games, they had an identity. Right now, there is no. This is the weirdest space that I've seen the team in. 
And but I will say this to kind of end this on a positive note. I do think Kyle Shanahan will pull through with I, I think he'll pull them through. He, but he's just gonna have to commit to one thing, which he is he's committing to Jimmy Garoppolo, stick with that, ride that out, and start to have some positive things go his way, string together some wins. They they got a bye week right now. Get get right mentally. Get everybody. Maybe everybody just needs a reset. You can't lose four straight. I think this is the time right now. If if the 49ers make the playoffs, they're going to look at this week right now as the turning point. You know, they got that show turning point. This is the turning point yep. right now for this roster, for this team, and where they're headed in the future. And there's still a lot of wins available on the schedule, and it could click very quickly for this team because it's still a really good team with a lot of good players. So... um some growing pains maybe they went through at the beginning of the season. We'll make them better later in the season. It's going to be fun to find out in week seven. After this bye week, Croc and I will be with you every day through the bye week, though, back tomorrow. We'll have some guests coming your way, I think. We've got uh, some some grades to give out. Some bye week grades, I think, maybe for Monday's episode, too. Stick with us every day right here. Thanks for making us your first listen, by the way, on Locked On 49ers.